The Lion King. Have you seen the movie? Let's put our hands up for those who have seen The Lion King. What an awesome movie, isn't it? Disney classic. It's about a pride of lions and the rest of the animal kingdom who are ruled by King Mufasa. He is a just king, a respected king, and a well-loved king. Under his rule, all is good and right and in balance. But Mufasa has a jealous brother named Scar. Heir to the throne, Scar is deceitful and scheming. He dreams of taking over his brother's kingdom by fair means or foul. However, in the course of time, a son is born to Mufasa, a young cub named Simba. Now, with Simba in the direct line to the king, Scar's even further away from the throne. And so because of that, he hatches a plan to get rid of both his brother and his nephew and seize the throne. Let's see how Scar's wicked scheme plays out. Hey, Uncle Scar, will I like the surprise? Simba, it's to die for. Shut up. Can't help it. I'm so hungry. I gotta have a wildebeest. Stay put. Can I just pick off one of the little sick ones? No. We wait for the signal from Scar. There he is. Let's go. Oh, look, sire. The herd is on the move. Mufasa, quick. Stampede in the gorge. Simba's down there. Simba? Very moving, isn't it? Mm. I think a few of us have a wee tear in our eye 
and rightfully so. Disney at its best, telling wonderful stories. And the king is dead, and Simba thinks it's his fault. So Simba leaves the kingdom vowing never to return, and Scar has won. However, however, from this tragedy comes a lesson that we can learn from the Lion King. Now, to get to this lesson, we're going to have to do a little bit of work, and we're going to look closely at Nufasa's death. We're going to look at four aspects of his death, and then how the death of another king is similar and yet very different. So we're going to look at two kings today, and the first king we're going to look at is Mufasa. And so, Mufasa is on a rescue mission. That's the first thing we're going to look at. Simba's trapped in a canyon in the midst of stampeding wildebeests. He's too slow to outrun them. There's too many to dodge, and the canyon walls are too steep. He's in big trouble. At any moment, Simba will be trampled to death. So Mufasa's on a rescue mission, and it's a matter of life and death. And it's not by accident or by Simba's own fault that he's in trouble. No, it's because of betrayal, a betrayal most cruel and spiteful, for Scar has led both the king and the son into a trap, a trap sprung from a cold and greedy heart. Even after Simba survives the initial danger, Scar shows no mercy, for though we didn't see it in this clip, Scar sends his henchmen, the hyenas, to finish the job. But in the moment, in the middle of the stampede, Mufasa does not see the trap. He only sees his son in danger, and so out of great love, Mufasa throws caution to the wind. And that's the third thing we learn about this rescue mission. It is born by the father heart and great love. Risking all, Mufasa springs down into the stampeding herd with no thought of his own safety. It's a rescue mission in the face of betrayal, and it's motivated by love. And because of this king's great love, a life is saved. Despite the betrayal, despite the death, all is not lost. For instead of dying at the feet of the stampeding wildebeest, Simba is rescued. He is saved. The king gave up his life for the young cub so he could live. And so the king's death is not in vain. His sacrifice was not wasted. For not only is Simba rescued, but the downfall of Scar is set in motion. So let's summarise. Mufasa's death. His great love sends him on a rescue mission, and despite a cruel betrayal, a life is saved. Now, in many ways, this is similar to the death of another king, the true and better king. Which king do you think I'm meaning? Yes. Close to Simba, another king. Who am I talking about? Yes, Jesus. Thank you. You're Jesus, the true and the better king, Christ the king. And so let's look at Jesus' death and how that is similar to Mephasa. And as we do that, we're going to look at John 3.16. It's going to be our guide. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So let's explore the similarity before the death of the first king, Mephasa, and the second, Christ. Well, Jesus is also on a rescue mission. And we see that in John 3.16, and it's tied up around the word perish. 
whoever believes in him will not perish. You see, we need rescuing. We need saving. In many respects, we're like Simba facing a herd of wildebeests and we will perish if we're not rescued. So how on earth did we get into this situation? How did we get into a, a place where we need rescuing? Well, go right back to the beginning, to God creating the earth and all the living things in it. And this includes Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were created in God's image. And what does this mean? Well, it means that of all of the animals, it's only humans that can have a father-child relationship. That's what it means to be created in the image of God. So a worm cannot have a father-child relationship with God. Neither can, can a kiwi, neither can a dolphin, or any other animal in the animal kingdom. Because they're not made in the image of God. But we are. However, despite that, Adam and Eve rebelled against their father. They rebelled against God. And with a cold heart, Satan betrayed Adam and Eve with lies and deceit and trickery and sin entered our lives and entered our world and the father-child relationship with God was broken. So our sin is so dark and God is so holy that unless we are rescued, we will perish. And even though we don't see it and it's not as dramatic as it is with Simba and the herd of wildebeest, if we do nothing, we will perish even as Simba would have if he was not rescued. And so the good news of the gospel is that Jesus, the king, came on that rescue mission. He proclaimed freedom from sin and death and showed us the way back to the open arms of our heavenly father. And for three years, Jesus was active in that mission until betrayal, not by Scar, but by Judas. And like Scar, Judas's betrayal was cruel and calculating, a betrayal we remember every communion meal when the leader says, the Lord Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, broke bread, and after he'd given thanks. And every communion meal, we remember that betrayal. It's dark, and in John 18, verse 2, after the meal, he tells us that Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with the disciples. So Judas came to the garden guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. And Judas's betrayal was complete. Jesus was arrested and taken away by force into the darkness. But as the next day dawns, that first Good Friday, we see the king's great love. Yes, we move from betrayal to great love in a similar way that we move from Scar's betrayal to Mephasa's great love. John 3.16, remember, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. God so loved you and I that he gave up his one and only Son. A love most powerfully demonstrated as Christ gave up his life on the cross. Now, if there is any other way apart from the cross, if, if some of us, even one of us, could have been good enough to earn God's favour, then there would be no need for the cross. But there was no other way. A life must be given for our life to pay for our sin, and Christ, the great king, gave his. And so there were the trials and the whipping and the ridicule and mocking and the nailing to the cross. 
And Jesus called out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And darkness fell on the ground, and with a final cry, it is finished, Jesus breathed his last. And in the shadows, the devil rubs his hands and smirks. His scheming has worked. His betrayal is bearing fruit. The Son of God is gone. And like Scar with his henchmen, the devil and all the demons think they've won on that first Good Friday. But three days later, on that first Easter Sunday, life bursts forth. The tomb is empty. The grave could not keep Jesus down. Having paid the penalty for our sin, Jesus is raised from the dead so that we might be saved. That not one life, but many lives might be saved. And again, we see this in John 3.16 towards the end of that verse where it says, Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Be saved. It's available to all who believe, to all who follow Christ. This then is the same. In a similar way, Mufasa and Jesus were on a rescue mission. They were betrayed, but out of great love, they continued and the life was saved. But what's different? And it's the difference, really, where the gospel explodes and is proclaimed with great joy. And there are a number of differences, but there's one key one I want to focus on, and that's Who needs rescuing? In the Lion King, who needed rescuing? It was the who? The king's son. The king's son needed rescuing. Simba. And Simba needed rescuing. But who needs rescuing by Jesus? And who were we before we were saved? I mean, were we sons and daughters of the king before we were saved? No, we were far from it. We were just the opposite. We were rescued while we were a million miles away from being children of the king. Let me explain. That Mufasa gave his life for his son is an amazing show of love. But it's hardly surprising, isn't it? Given how close father and son were, we were impressed, inspired and in awe of Mufasa's act, but we're not surprised. It's what good parents do. I think everyone who's a parent has sometimes wondered if they were put in a stressful situation whether they would be willing to save their child's life instead of theirs. And we see that. It's very rare, but it happens now and again where a parent gives up their life for a child. And it's wonderful, but in some respects we're not surprised. But what about us? Think about Mufasa, and he looks down and he sees his son. So his father, heart, his great love, he's down there. But what if it was a stranger? Do you think Mufasa, if he'd looked down and saw a stranger's cub, do you think he would have risked his life? He might have, because he was a wonderful king. But what if there was a rebel down there? What if there was someone that had undermined his authority, had worked against him, had even plotted against him? Would Mufasa go down and save that person? Well, never. He just wouldn't, would he? And that's exactly the same with what we are. We're in that situation. Before we became a Christian, we were never a child of God. We were so much worse. Before Christ came to rescue us, we were rebellious, 
we'd rejected God and we were undermining his kingdom. We were least deserved to be saved. We are not in the Simba category. Romans chapter 5 verse 6. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And at first bit could apply for Mephasa. You see, at just the right time when Simba was powerless, Mephasa jumped into the canyon and saved his son. And we're like that. It's the last part of the verse that's really the key difference. Christ died for the ungodly. We who were least worthy. The Bible says that our righteousness, our goodness is like filthy rags. That's Isaiah 64, 6. Romans 3, 23, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin are death, eternal death. Romans 5, 6 highlights for us that we were the least worthy to be saved. And then uh, the next verse, verse 7, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man some might possibly dare to die. And that, again, is like Mephasa. You know, for a good man or for a son, someone might possibly dare to die. But, verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the difference. King Mephasa died for his son who was worthy to be rescued, but Jesus died for you and I who were unworthy to be rescued. And do you know what the Bible calls this? The Bible calls this, I heard it over there, grace. And it's wonderful. And it's awesome. And it's free to everyone who would accept it. Grace. And it's yours today if you would choose it. So let's pull all this together. What have we seen? We've seen King Mufasa on a rescue mission. Though betrayed by Scar, the king's great love won through. Even though it cost the king his life, he saved his son. Then we lay this alongside the story of a different king, a true and a better king who was also on a rescue mission. And this king was also betrayed, but his great love won through. Though it cost him his life, he saved not just one person, but many people. He saved you and I, not because we were worthy, not at all, for we were ungodly, rebellious and ungrateful, but Christ died anyway. Why? To please his Father, because he loves us, and to defeat Satan. This then is the lesson that we learn from the Lion King. The true and the better king He died to save us even though we don't deserve it. And this is the heart of the gospel. This is the true and the better king that we worship. He who captures the affection of our heart. And this true and better king now invites us to his table. Let us sup with our king. Let us take joy in our rescue. Let us celebrate this special meal together. Let's pray.